Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, on behalf of the CEO of UN Hospitals Group and the President of the University of Limerick, I would like to welcome you here today for the opening of the UL Hospitals Intermediate Care Facility here in the UL Arena. Um, my name is Paul Burke, I'm the Chief Academic Officer between the Hospital Group and UL, and I'm also the Executive Lead for this project, ably assisted by the Project Manager, Ms. Breda Duggan. The development of the Intermediate Care Facility arose out of an initiative by the University President, Dr. Des Fitzgerald, at the beginning of last March, when he discussed with the hospital group if we would wish to consider using the arena as a possible field hospital in the event that the hospital system would become overrun with demand, similar to what we were witnessing in Italy and Spain, and based on the apparent success of the temporary hospital structure that had been put in place in Wuhan. Consequently, a team from the hospital visited the arena and concluded that the most appropriate use for the arena would be to develop a post-COVID rehabilitation unit, with hospital staff being supported by some staff and students from UL. This was at the time when we envisaged having many patients who would have come out of ICU after a prolonged period, possibly on a ventilator, and thus in a very debilitated state. Simultaneously, as this idea was being developed, National HSC were putting a plan in place to create a much larger intermediate care facility in the conference centre at City West. The advantage of this from our perspective was that they had already developed a template for how one of these intermediate care facilities would be constructed and developed, and this allowed us to plan accordingly. Based on the City West model, we initially proposed a relatively large facility in case we were going to be hugely overrun with a large number of patients. It has now become clear over the last number of weeks that, ch that the challenge going forward as we open our hospital to start dealing with the backlog of other medical and surgical cases is going to be coping with the ongoing threat of the COVID infection and thus the need to avoid overcrowding in our already congested wards during this ongoing pandemic. This new facility will allow earlier discharge of patients from all our acute hospitals particularly those patients who are considered medically recovered but in need of physical rehabilitation or, or social care support prior to being sent home to a nursing, or to a nursing home. There are a significant cohort of such patients within our four acute hospitals in the group who would fit into these categories. And by being able to bring these patients to the intermediate care facility for purposeful rehabilitation, we would hope to be able to continue to make beds more available within our acute hospitals for the increased bed demands likely to ensue as the COVID pandemic continues to present patients to us, particularly if there's another surge, as many feel is certain to happen. As you probably know, we are presently constructing an extra 98 single rooms on the UHL site, which will go some way to addressing the chronic bed shortages at the main hospital. We anticipate these beds being available in the early autumn, at which stage we would anticipate no longer having the need for the intermediate care facility here at the arena. This intermediate care facility has been staffed by experienced medical, nursing and allied health professional staff, supported by UL students in the case of physiotherapy, dietetics and speech therapy, and also by a large cohort of recently employed healthcare assistants made up largely of UL students from nursing, medicine and all the allied health specialties. Now at this point I would like to pay tribute to the HR departments in both the hospital group and the university in coming together, supported if I may say by my own PA Verity Hayes and Nicola Kelly from Rachel Massefi's office here in UL, 
but in coming together to ensure that the US students who wanted to participate were facilitated as much as possible by both institutions. I would also like to thank the HSC Estates Department, led locally by Mr Joe Hoare, along with Claude Hanratty and Keith Brazel, who worked closely with UL Building and Estates Department, led by Robert Reedy and Ger Manning, and whose staff carried out the necessary renovations to prepare the site for the installation of the hospital facility. The critical support of the national HSC teams, uh, Jim Curran, Aidan O'Connor and Liam Hackett, was also hugely appreciated and critical to this venture. The setting up of the ward structure and the equipping of this hospital facility took place over the last two weeks. And for this, we are particularly thankful to our National Defence Forces, represented by the 12th Infantry Battalion from Limerick and Cork. Their great expertise in helping to do a large volume of work in a coordinated fashion has been hugely beneficial. And we'd like to thank Brigadier General Patrick Flynn, who I believe is here today, and his staff for the great work on behalf of the people of the Midwest. Finally, I'd like to thank our own medical, uh, diagnostics and services directorates who have had to work extremely hard over the last few weeks to bring all our staff together and help set up the different services which we'll be showing you now on a tour of the facility at the end of this briefing. And in particular our assistant directors of nursing Miss Catherine Sheehan and Yvonne Young and the head of our allied health professional group Fiona Steed who have led out so enthusiastically on this project from the beginning. So thanks very much and we'd be happy to take any questions. Thank you. beds are here and is it 24-7 or what's the actual, how, how will it operate? Yeah, it's, um, we initially have set it up for uh, 68 beds but in fact there are 84, each of these sections contains 16 beds. So yes, it's going to initially operate, we're starting initially, we're bringing in 25 patients in the next week and it's fully staffed for that. It's going to operate 24-7, there is basically a standard medical team with a consultant overseeing it, then a registrar and a, a senior house officer, and then um, there will be 24-7 cover here at all times. How much does it cost? The actual cost of the um, construction work, as I understand it, in terms of the, part the partitioning and the, the works cost a million. The actual, all the equipment that's in the hospital, that was provided by HSC centrally and all that is totally reusable and can be brought anywhere else. Even the floor here essentially can be taken up and can be used again. How much demand are you expecting for this Well at the moment we have about 25 to 30 patients who we can immediately identify who could be brought here um, because we have been using a facility at Croom for a lot of that at the moment and now as we crank back up our standard work a lot of those patients will come out here. Then as the system you know, improves and I think the rehabilitation component of this is going to be very strong and as patients realise that and maybe as their families realise that there may even be greater demand for it. We would hope to get up to about 50 patients here but obviously we have the capacity for more if we have the unanticipated surge. Will visits by family and friends be facilitated here? In the short term no because that's the current policy of the hospital that there isn't any visiting but that may well change over the next while. Uh, but for the moment, whatever the rule, this is essentially an extension of the main hospital. So whatever visiting rules exist in the main hospital will exist here. How long would you think that patients who are transferred here would expect to remain here? Obviously, in every case, it's different. Sure. If it's purely rehabilitation, if it's purely rehabilitation, you know, probably one to two weeks. There's also another group of patients who may be social. They may be socially challenged, and you know, often you have to. 
they may be due to go to a nursing home or whatever and they may be having to wait for certain things like fair deal etc to get sorted and they may well come here as well plans for further similar type developments in the region? Here, no. I mean, the only thing I would say is that the, the model, the, the, the rehabilitation model that we're putting in place here, it's really very well resourced because we have the support of the students, etc. So we have great potential here to show the potential for what really active, almost aggressive, if I may use that word, you know, rehab can do. And so really, if, the, if, that, if that works really well, it'll probably put a strong demand on our other, particularly our Model 2 hospitals, to say we really need to ramp up our rehabilitation processes to facilitate patients coming and going into the hospitals more quickly. The students that you mentioned that will be yeah. living here, I mean, I, I presume they're students that are studying medicine or, or are Yeah, med nurse, I mean, a lot of our third-year nursing students have taken on posts as healthcare assistants. Under the... COVID derogation rules, they did encourage, uh, you know, students to be facilitated to work as healthcare assistants within the, within the hospital system, and that they may even be facilitated with some, some of that period being recognised for part of their training placement. So that is still po a possibility that will just have to be ratified. But that, when the legislation was passed during the summer, that was part of the plan. You mentioned the early autumn and you mentioned City West and yeah. we saw some of the media reports the weekend regarding City West. Is there an end point for this or is it when is there a review to take place or what, how, what's the process in terms of winding it down? Um, the process of winding it down has a lot to do with us getting our bed capacity up in, 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 in Duradoyle. And as I said, there are 96 single rooms there, which would be you know, a big addition to the facility. One of the challenges there, as you know, if you're familiar with the plant there, though, is we have a lot of old nightingale wards there. And so even where here, you have a full three-metre distance between and partition some of our wards outside. In order to satisfy COVID distancing, we're going to, have to, we're going to lose beds out of a number of those wards. So although there's 94 single rooms coming in, it's not a net increase of 94. But nevertheless, those beds we hope to have ready by um, certainly the first, I think, 35 to 40 will be ready by the end of August. The others are, we hope to have ready by the beginning of November. So depending on how busy the hospital is, depending on the, the, the challenges in relation to COVID, the plan is to be out of here by November. You mentioned, uh, Professor Burke, that uh, many are certain that a second surge will happen. Are you certain that yourself? What's your own view? I think there will be a relative surge. I think it may well be we will get clusters developing a bit like say in, in you had a scenario there in Seoul where you know in, in South Korea where they identified it in a nightclub and all of a sudden you had a thing. We do have a quite a good a contact tracing system now in place and you know if we identify things quickly I think we will we will be able to, to curb it. But I've no doubt that we are going to get I don't I think we will have we will have a consistent number of patients in our hospitals on an ongoing basis who have COVID. So I think the threat of it is going to continue to remain. Would you be confident that UHL can cope with that surge or any I would be confident, yeah. I mean it's been very it's been remarkable really over the last three months, you know, like to be fair we were very much ahead of the game because okay, the first notifiable case was in the Midwest. So we basically instituted our kind of closed down probably a week or two before 
most of, most other hospitals. And we've, it's been really, really well controlled within our hospital system. You know, we ramped up our capacity for ICU, etc., at a very strong level, and we we actually never had to go to to, to use its entire capacity. So we're, there's a very, very high level of awareness of what's involved, and the, you know, we've had a very strong. Um, Counters, the CEO had a very strong kind of leadership team in place over the last three months, which met every morning. So there's a very high level of awareness. So if we have any sense that we're, we're, we're losing grip on the situation, there will be a very immediate response.